giving thanks to our ecumenical neighbors for ringing the bell to call us to worship. Uh, living in the neighborhood, actually, that is such a delight to hear that bell through the day as kind of a reminder that God's presence is with us always and that we gather as community. Uh, as Easter people, our defining feature, and we will hear about this today in worship, is how we love one another. And I'm going to not bury the lead, as they say. And even before we start, I want to lift up how often I hear stories, as I'm getting to know you all, about how you found your way to St. Matthew's. And frequently, the story includes something about being welcomed and being befriended. So I think you, you've got this love your neighbor thing pretty well figured out. And I'm hoping that as we're together today and as we worship, we might begin reflecting on new ways or ways we can build on things that are happening and to recommit to Jesus' call to love one another. In our prayers today, uh, certainly the people of Buffalo, New York, and the families of those who have died because of senseless hate-based violence, um, you probably have a greater sense of how close to home that truly is geographically. And I, I think maybe many of us are feeling the pain of that. So I think it's appropriate that as we gather today that we remember our sisters and brothers, as you say, across the ditch, uh, who are really in some significant pain and fear just now. When Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You look for me. And as I said to the Jewish authorities, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of our Lord. Won't you be seated? Grace and peace to you. Love one another. Sounds easy enough. It pays sometimes to pay attention to when something is said. 
I like the meme that I think is now making the rounds on Facebook that says that smart people know what to say. Wise people know when to say it. When does Jesus tell his people to love one another? When Judas has gone out. Judas has gone out to seek out the religious authorities who had colluded with the empire to have Jesus assassinated. Jesus knows this. If you back up a bit and read in John chapter 13, there are several instances in which Jesus knows things, and then he acts as a result of those things. He knows the treachery that lies in the heart of Judas Iscariot. He knows that there will come a point when Simon Peter says, I've never been a follower of Jesus. And here we have Jesus' words, love one another. But knowing what he knows, knowing that his time is limited, that his life is short, what does Jesus do? Let that question percolate. And I'm going to ask you to think back. Maybe you have had this as a personal experience. Maybe you've been to a party or you've been sitting around a campfire and maybe a relaxing beverage or two is already on board. So you're feeling a bit relaxed and somebody asks, if you knew that you only had days to live and you were healthy, what would you do? One answer I heard earlier today was cry. <laughs> We would grieve the shortness of life. And maybe we have a variety of things that we would do, like travel or say goodbye to somebody. But what does Jesus do when he knows his time is short, that he only has days left? What does Jesus do when he knows his community is divided and is beginning to break apart as it is? He gets a basin, he gets a towel, and he serves his followers. And later, he extends to them hospitality, and he feeds them. After all of that, then Jesus says, love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. And this will define you, dear friends, how you love. That's how people will know you're a Jesus follower. Dr. Elizabeth Johnson works in Cameroon as a teacher and as a professor and preacher. And because she is in a cross-cultural ministry, she might have some insights that I lack and yet, she says something that I think we can all take to heart, and that is that when Jesus says love one another, he's not inviting us to circle the wagons and become insular. He's inviting us to something much broader and drawing on what John says earlier in his gospel when Jesus is having that late night conversation with a rabbi, I have a hunch some of you can quote this, and if you've been to sporting events, you might even see John 3.16, the banner waved around. So you know that it says, God so loves 
the world. That's the sort and spectrum of love that we are invited into. We have a lot in common, though, with Jesus' first community, don't we? We don't always get it right. In Jesus' time, there was plenty of infighting among them, saying, who gets prominence? Who gets dominance? There was plenty of ambition to go around, and Jesus would have to remind them time and again, we're about serving. Sometimes we in church circles do the same thing. We want to put ourselves ahead rather than alongside. And we want to be served more than to serve. It's also true that we have our share of external threats. And it's not this time an unholy alliance of religion and politics coming to get us specifically. But I think it is out there that collusion between some political groups and some religious groups trying to prescribe the way the world is supposed to be for all the rest of us. We live in that. And yet Jesus says, figure it out. <laughs> Love one another just as I have loved you. What that might mean for us at St. Matthew's is a pretty good question mark, and I'm glad that there are so many caring and creative people in our midst. As I noted when we got together this morning, first, that you understand what it is to welcome and befriend, to love one another, to love your neighborhood. And the challenge before us, I think, is how do we continue that, especially as we age, and we all are. And how do we do that in partnership with our sister congregation in Port Colburn? Their challenges are probably much like ours, but in some ways, maybe more acute. Might there be ways that we could somehow love one another and our neighbor, even at First Lutheran in Port Colburn? We've begun with shared ministry, and there have been many examples already of mutual care and support. And I'm going to editorialize long enough to say, when I watch you all get together, I think you like each other. I think you enjoy being together. And I think your creativity feeds one and another. So maybe one of our opportunities to do what Jesus calls us to do is not too many kilometers just south of us. To love one another is certainly a tall order. And how do we do that? Jesus did in very practical ways, didn't he? By welcoming, by feeding, by healing, by teaching. And maybe there's something in there for us to draw upon too. I read this week from a retired seminary professor named Oswaldo Vena, who taught in Illinois, New Testament studies. And he talked about how we use the cross as our central symbol of being Christian. 
And if you're wearing a cross, people will often associate that with being Christian. Some of that is good, because the cross, at least as it was in Jesus' case, a sign of self-giving. Professor Vena would say, though, we need to be careful because the cross as a symbol also was used by military groups, by the empire, and by colonial influences even to dominate, not to serve. And so his hope, and perhaps his question is, how do we then reclaim our understanding of the cross as being a sign of self-giving? And what if our ethic became one where we had another symbol, two, the basin and the towel? What sort of people might we be if that becomes our ethic as church? To serve, to reach out to our community and to love our neighbor. I think we already are getting glimpses of that, and I trust that there's more to come. There may be a lingering question for you, and that is, is God still about the business of forming communities and shaping us so that we become basin and towel people? Jesus' command to his followers to love one another suggests to me, anyway, that God is still plenty busy, and God is still plenty interested in forming us into being that community of basin and towel. Many of us lean into the reality of our baptism, and we're reminded that every day is God's way of giving us a fresh start that we are washed from the ultimate powers of sin and death that might claim us, we're freed from that, and we are freed for lives of service. That we can do things like proclaim the love of Christ in what we do and what we say, that we can care for the world that God made, that we can work for justice and peace. So part of being Easter people is we are people of the cross. We are people of an empty tomb. And we are also people of the basin and the towel. May it be so among us.